we are back for a festive holiday episode. So I'm joined again by Rachel E. Snack of Weaver House. Hi, Rachel. Yeah. And as we talked about on our last episode that we did together, we are in the new year, we want to launch a new season of the Material Culture Podcast. We want to be diving more into themes of what it means to be an artist, of the textile process, and just all these different things about what it means to be an artist. Um, But for the last episode of 2021, we wanted to talk about the holiday season and what that means uh, for consumers, what that means for artists, um, what it means to engage in gift giving and shopping and, and and all of the questions that come along with that in terms of ethics and productivity and stress. So yeah, this is our festive episode. Rachel, I would love for you to just start us off with why you wanted this to be an episode. Why is this important to you? I feel like since you're calling it our festive episode, we should be wearing like ugly Christmas sweaters. <laughs> Yeah, we don't look very festive. <laughs> Christmas <ads. laughs> Yeah. We are recording this right before Thanksgiving. And I think that is actually important to note because, you know, after Thanksgiving is like one of the biggest consumer weekends. I call it the consumerism weekend marathon, which starts with, you know, Black Friday and then there's Small Business Saturday and Cyber Monday. And I think the one of the reasons that I thought it would be relevant to record an episode like this was because I, as a small business owner, definitely have a lot of heavy feelings during this time of the year. And I also know that a lot of people as consumers also have a lot of heavy feelings during this time of the year. And I think there's a lot of pressure to spend a lot of money and there's you know a lot of expectations. And as a small business owner, I think that looks a little different than as a consumer, but I think both roles are equally important to talk about. And I wanted to share a little bit more from my perspective about how I feel about this season. And then we also asked the community for voice memos about how they um, approach gift giving and reciprocity. I think that it's all really relevant. I think it's it's relevant to creating more of a holistic consumer culture to be having these types of conversations. And it feels like this time of the year, especially um, it's really pertinent to, to talk about. Yeah. I mean, there's so much pressure around everything this time of year and, and what we buy and what we give is just part of that. Like there's so much pressure on the experiences that we have together with our loved ones, but especially, yeah, the ways that we spend play into that so much. But first, from the perspective of a business owner, when was it that the holidays first started becoming really busy for you? Um, And what were the things that kind of came up that you had never thought about before? So definitely as the business has grown like year after year, this season has has also become busier and busier. And I think partially that's because we have more customers and we have more products. But I also think something felt, it felt like a shift happened during pandemic, especially because people were all stuck at home and everyone had to only go to online shopping. So our online business and our, the orders that we started shipping like drastically grew during that time period, but also like the demand that our customers had of us and of me as a business owner also grew during that time period. So it became less interactions of someone coming into the shop and talking to you and saying, you know, I want to purchase a gift for my friend who's a weaver. Can you help me pick something out? And it became none of, well, actually it was none of those interactions during pandemic. And it slowly became, you know, I purchased something online and my order's still not here yet. And what is wrong with you and your company? It like, 
really shifted from having these like meaningful interactions with customers where you felt like you were helping them, you know, give gifts that were meaningful. You were helping them pick out things that would mean something to someone else. And it became all about shipping delays and something's not in stock, but I wanted to give this and like, you should be more prepared for the holiday season. It just was like a lot of piling on blame and a lot of anger surrounding like not being able to either purchase what they wanted or having delays or something being lost. And it was really overwhelming last year. Like it was so, I was so, I I don't even know, like maybe depressed. I was just so sad. It felt so defeating after the holiday season to like work so hard and also have like so many awful interactions. I mean, truly like never before in my life has that happened before. And I think since pandemic has progressed and people have gotten more used to this new way of living and shopping, like those interactions have definitely shifted once again. Like I would say, I don't often have those same angry interactions. Like people are a lot more lenient and forgiving and understanding like they've, they've gotten used to delays or USPS, you know, losing something or something happening. And so I think this year doesn't feel as toxic, but there is still this, this like immediacy and demand and this anxiety about getting what you want. And then I think it's, it's just not the way that as like a small business owner that I want to interact with my customers. And often it just feels really, disheartening. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it feels like I am trying so hard to be mindful and to treat my customers well, and also to like have boundaries. And I don't feel like customers have the same mindset when it comes to consuming. And I think that this idea of like the customer is always right is also really toxic. Like, I just don't think that's a healthy relationship for someone to approach a business thinking like they're always right, no matter what. Um, and it creates this like, um, sometimes really harmful dialogue. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think last year, what we had talked about a lot when you were experiencing this is like that people are under stress and, and during the pandemic, that was true. And then also in the holidays, that's true. And unlike, I mean, some of your orders throughout the year are time sensitive, but this is the only time of year where it's really like, okay, I need to get it in this certain amount of time. Yeah. But from your end, which you've said often is like, I can't be Amazon. Like I cannot get this to you in two days. Um, it's not my fault. <laughs> you ordered this the week before yeah. Christmas and it's not there. Um, so it, I don't know. I think part of it is having the expectations on small businesses that you're going to be able to perform like a large business like Amazon as well. Yeah, exactly. Like you're choosing to shop small and yet you have the expectations that that small business is going to be able to serve you in a way that a large business can. And even that goes for like something like a lost package, right? Like I, a lot of big businesses would be able to like reship that immediately, but that's not always the case for a small business. Like I might not even have the inventory to be able to offer that, right? But also that's like a loss to my business that I have to file the right paperwork. I have to do everything on my end so that I don't lose that money. And there's like no patience around that often. Like people, like even though it's out of my control, they want something, yeah, like Amazon that will just like reship you that item the next day. And so I think during this time of year, it's like 
I think it's just really important to be having these conversations because I don't think that often as consumers, we think about the person on the other side. And this even goes to like, I like to remind myself this about like customer service for big companies, right? Like Mm -hmm. the customer service representative that you're calling from Amazon or from Walmart, like they have no control either. Like Mm -hmm. they're getting paid, you know, probably a low wage job to deal with you. And they, they also like, it's completely out of their control what happened to your order. And if you're rude to them, like that's also something that I think we just like, don't have this grace when it comes to these interactions. Yeah. And it's crazy because like, and I can feel this in myself too, in different situations, sometimes I can approach, you know, a restaurant that's really busy or somewhere that's really busy around the holidays and be like, Oh, it's Christmas. Like, let me, let me give them a big tip. It's Christmas. Like I don't know. It's let's be nice. And sometimes when things don't go your way, are you like, are you serious? It's Christmas. Where's the package that I ordered? So like, it's, it's this dual, like you're so happy, but there's so much pressure. You're so stressed. It's a lot to handle. And I'm wondering after having these experiences as a business owner um, over the last, you know, six years, how did this cause you to like rethink some of your own practices around spending and gift giving? Well, that's, that's the other part. So I feel like within like what we're talking about in this episode, I feel like there's, there's two different lanes to like, kind of consider the season, right? There's like the small business lane that we've been talking about these different, I think for me approaching gift giving, especially this year, I've been really thoughtful around how can I give meaningfully, but maybe not also consume as much as I would normally consume? And also like, what does it actually mean to give a gift? How we have this expectation, right? Of giving gifts, especially during the holidays. And often they're tied to a monetary value. Like you have to give X amount and you have to give these people a gift. And I think for me, sometimes that really takes away like the joy of actually giving. Yeah. Like I think if there's an expectation to give, is it really a gift? And also like how much of our ego is tied to what we give to others? Like is the satisfaction that we're actually giving a gift to another person to give them joy? Or is it the satisfaction that like we chose a good gift and they should love it and they'll use it and like we did a good job? And so I think all of that is tied up into the holiday season. And I've just tried to be really mindful of saying, you know, if I strip away those expectations, like what do I actually want to do for those that I love? And does that gift have to be physical? Can it also be an act of service or can it be something I've made or what does it have to look like? I mean, even thinking about if if I want to give gifts, can they be secondhand? Like, does there need to be this pressure that everything has to be new and shiny? Like, if we want to be more sustainable and consume less, like, can can we make that more normal that we go to a thrift store and get someone a gift? Like, I just think there's a lot of layers that we could break down yeah. um, and think about. But I also think on the flip side of that, it's hard to it's hard to struggle with those ideas and also have a small business where I rely on people buying new things from me um, to give to others or for themselves. And I think that's where I feel tension because I want to consume differently, but I'm also still asking people to consume in this way that we've been trained to consume. And I think I don't really know what the answer to that is yet. 
Yeah, no, it's tough. And and the thing about gift giving is like that it's going to be different for every relationship in your life too. And a lot of times the people who agree with me about like what gift giving should look like are not the people who I have to buy gifts for every Christmas, you know, <laughs> like trying yep. to figure out, you know, this person is going to be offended if I don't spend X amount yes. or, um, you know, and I don't know in those relationships where you can really talk about what's meaningful and Hey, what's going to make you feel appreciated. I think that is really important. I'm using our family as an example, just in that, like, I don't know if you still feel this way or not. Like you can send, you can tell people exactly what you want. And if they get you exactly what they want, like you still feel loved, even though you basically picked out a present for yourself. You know about my mom? (laughs) No. Well, you do that to your mom. (laughs) Yeah. Because she likes that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm very much more so like, I, if I have to tell you what I want, I'd rather just like buy it for myself. Like I, I kind of like, even, even if it's not like I get something from a friend on my birthday every year, like if you stumble across something this year that you think I'd really like, I would feel so loved if you got that for me. I don't need something for you every from you, like every year, because then I have to like come up with an idea of something that I want and tell you. And then I don't even feel like that is indicative of like a relationship where we know each other. But there are other people who feel really loved by that. You know what I mean? Like you need X, Y, Z, ask for it. And that person gives it to you. Yeah. Well, that's why I think like this, like if we're really breaking down what it means to give, like I think that does have to do like relationship to relationship. Yeah. And I think that's why something like the, the you know, weekend marathon of consumerism, like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, where there's all these sales and it's just like, you can get everything for cheap. So you'll get more than you normally would. And you'll give people things that maybe they don't need or that if you had to be really mindful or consider it because things weren't on sale, what would you actually buy for them? Yeah. And I think that's where it starts to feel like this ball rolling down the hill that just keeps getting bigger. And like, I, it just feels kind of toxic. If you have a friend that does, that does mean a lot to them. I do think that then giving them something is meaningful to your friendship. But also if you're just buying to buy, what is the point of that? Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. think it really comes down to to getting to know people, to getting to know what makes them feel loved. And sometimes that's not like a physical thing. Sometimes that's spending time together or, you know, taking them out for a meal or something but yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things around that. And I think that, you know, for those of us who celebrate Christmas, like you want the stocking stuffed and you want the, the under the tree to be filled with presents. And it doesn't really matter if all of them are meaningful, as long as there's a lot of them, <laughs> I think in a lot of time. It feels weird to me too. I've been thinking a lot about how holidays that are supposed to be about family and a lot of these holidays have been monetized and how big corporations make a lot of money off of these holidays that are about love and giving and family. And that if we actually like prioritize those things above all else, would gift giving even be necessary? Or what would that look, you know, would gift giving more look like, all right, mom, you're hosting, you know, Christmas dinner. So I'm going to clean up for you. And that's like my gift for you this holiday that you can like sit and relax and enjoy the rest of the family and I'll clean up and that it's more organic in the way that people show up or like you're hosting Christmas dinner. So like, I'm going to bring, you know, all the vegetables or something that's from my garden or however, you know, whatever you have to give to like make the time spent actual person to person more meaningful and less about 
individuality within these holidays, which I think is often like what gift giving does is it like it can even isolate people, right? Like you gave this person this thing that was worth this much and you only gave me this, you know, that there can be these compare. I don't know. It just feels like if there was more of a holistic approach that we would definitely consume less during this time. Yeah. I think one of the things is that we don't do a lot of discussing of like relationships beyond, I think people who are in romantic relationships talk a lot about this kind of thing. Like, do we want to get each other something for Christmas? Like, what do we want to spend? Do we want to get each other something for all of these holidays that celebrate our relationship? And what does that actually mean? But I don't think we do that a lot in friendships. And I think in families, for some reason, it gets very taboo to talk about like, oh, you should know what I want and you should figure that out. And we can't have this like open conversation about it too. But I think, I think rethinking that and thinking about what's something special that you can bring to each relationship that will make people feel really loved. I don't know. That just is more indicative to me of a relationship that's healthy and and flourishing year round, not just around the holidays. So in addition to relationships, I think that you know, when we're talking about gift giving and especially this time of year, we're also thinking about generosity. And in, in numerous interviews that we've done for this podcast, the topic of generosity has, has come up and what does generosity mean as an artist? Um, so for you, what, how does that play into your work and your practice as a business owner and as an artist? I actually do think the holidays are one of those really special times of the year where it feels like being generous as an artist is deeply valued and appreciated. And it feels like if I make something and give it to someone else, like there is this inherent value attached to it because of these expectations that we've been talking about, but it does feel like more valuable. Like it feels like if, you know, every year I weave my mom another scarf and every year she knows that's coming and she is so excited for it and she loves it. And so I love spending the time to actually weave her a scarf because scarves take a while to weave because I know that that's like exciting to her and I'm willing to like put that time in and and give that time. But I also think that sometimes like, I think it's really hard to also have boundaries around this as an artist that like giving, being generous doesn't always have to look like actually giving things as an artist that there can be boundaries to say, you know, I I don't know that I, I am going to make you something sometimes, but that I can't do that all the time. And that I think there can also be this like backwards expectation that like, because you are an artist, like people like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. People always want your art. I like maybe, no, (laughs) I don't know, but just thinking like, oh, like I thought I, I have often had, I, I don't, you know, have this with my, my current partner, but I've had it past in past relationships where people are like, well, I thought you were going to make me something. Mm. And I'm always in my head. I'm like, I don't have time to make you something right now. And also like that, if there's that expectation that I need to make you something that becomes like, I want to do it less. I don't, it just feels like taking and not like actually a generous act from my part that it's more like an expectation. And that's where I feel like, so I think there's this like really beautiful thing that happens when you do have these relationships where you can give and be generous and also feel like that act is genuine. And it is something that you want to do and is fulfilling to you as an artist. But I think that is something interesting just to consider is that like, 
there is kind of this idea that like, oh, like as the, on the flip side of what we've been talking about, like, oh, you're an artist, like just make everything for everyone. Yeah. And maybe the reality is like, you need to sell your work and (laughs) maybe you can't just like make everything for everyone. And maybe actually buying people gifts is like your boundary to being able to like produce the work that you need to produce to support yourself. And maybe that's also something that we should mention because I think we've been talking about like how to consume less, but maybe as an artist, that's like the gift that you can give yourself. Yeah. Of time. Everything. Yeah. I think all these things are so nuanced, but I just think it's like important to talk about them. And I think being generous as an artist is, is sometimes really hard because also it's so personal to you. And if someone, if you work really hard on something and someone doesn't like it, that's, that can also be um, a hard pill to swallow. It's really tough. When I was in pandemic, that's when I really got into weaving and I was making things for my friends. Mostly like I really wanted to make, like, I really missed being in people's houses. So like people who I would yeah. go over their house all the time, I would make something and be like, now it's like, I'm in your house. And I, I remember what it's like to hang out with you while I'm making it. And it just felt really special to me, but it was always in the back of my mind. Like they didn't ask for this. What if they don't want it? What if they think it's ugly? And then they like feel bad getting rid of it. And I've just like cursed them with this art that they don't want. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think about that time that I was like trying to weave something for Judah's nursery for your mm-hmm. son's nursery. And it was like, it was this weird transition time where I think it was like right before I moved Weaver house to Philly. Mm-hmm. And so I was like really stressed out and I was like trying to make that piece. And I don't know if you remember, like I made probably the ugliest thing I've ever made. <laughs> it was so ugly. And it was just like, cause I was trying too hard. And because I like, it wasn't, it was work to me, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like an act, like I wanted to be generous, but I also like, didn't have that boundary with myself to say like, you can't do this right now. Mm. What you're going to make is not going to be good. And I think back to that a lot, honestly, when people reach out to me about commissions and I'm like, too overwhelmed with the business. And I think through, I'm like, how embarrassing would it be to take on a commission and then to make something (laughs) that I don't like? like. And so I try to keep that in mind, that boundary in mind, because, you know, that we hung that on the wall and both of us were kind of, I don't, you probably said something really nice, but like, even I was like, oh, this thing is so ugly. (laughs) Oh my God. And then eventually I wove something different for y'all. But like, Mm -hmm. that was like a, that was like a hard moment too, for me to, to accept and then realize like, okay, why did this happen? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's important. I think to be realistic yeah. yourself. I think part of it is that generosity is something that needs to come from a place of like being genuine and like something that yeah. you want to do also. Like whether or not you're deciding to make things for people, whether or not you're deciding not to make things for people, um like that's really important to have it be something that brings you joy because I think that comes through if you don't actually like what you're doing. I think I I feel a lot of dread around holiday shopping because I would much prefer to give a gift when I don't have to give a get- gift when people yes. like, aren't expecting it. Same. Um, and the feeling of like needing to come up with something and needing it to be good is like a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also because there is, it's like there's expectations all around that I honestly think that if people had like honest conversations or just approach giving differently, that it would shift, it would shift everything. It would shift the way that we gave. It would shift the expectations we have, like as we consume, it would be the same thing. Like if you 
you know, if you wanted to give someone yarn from Weaver House, but you ordered it late and it doesn't come in time for Christmas, like being able to say to them, hey, I I purchased this thing. I'm really excited to give you, but it's not here yet. So it'll come in January and, you know, I'll be able to give it to you then. And, and like having, I don't know, more of this, like, to me, that's real generosity, right? Mm-hmm. That like you're doing these things, you're being more considerate, more mindful instead of, you know, putting this expectation that like a small, even like the gift giver should have like, I think this pressure of like, okay, how many people do you have to buy gifts for? And you have to do it all within this short time period. And then you have to like wrap them all and send them. I don't know. There's just like a lot of pressure on individuals to, to give gifts and do it in this way. This that's in this like time frame. the whole thing just feels like how we put ourselves into this box? Yeah. And like, what can we do as a community to like shift, to shift that and to, to feel better about it. And so that like businesses feel better about it. Like customers feel better about it. Individuals feel better about it. It just feels, it's the same thing with birthdays. I mean, I think that, that I feel that pressure a lot of times with friends' birthdays that you're like, even as I get older, it's like, okay, so how, how long do we keep giving each other kids? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No. It's it crazy. feels like a bit like, oh, when someone starts having kids, like maybe then you start giving their kids gifts, but then like, do they also feel like left? Out? I don't know. There's just like, again, all around this like kind of pressure about gift giving. That's um, just, yeah, it kind of baffles me sometimes. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot in this past year, it's, it's weird because we're talking about consuming less and gift giving. It, it sounds like the thing that we keep coming back to is like know. not giving gifts at every opportunity. But that's not, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's not that. I think it's it's finding genuine opportunities. And, and the word that I keep coming back to in reflecting on this past year is like celebration, like finding genuine opportunities to celebrate, right? And that I think- just comes down to knowing people. Like, is someone going to feel celebrated the most if you recognize like an accomplishment of theirs at work or in their personal life that they've been working really hard on? Are they going to feel celebrated when you remember them on their birthday and like Mm -hmm. say nice things to them? Maybe it's not a present all the time. You know, like I think everybody kind of receives that differently and just not, not letting go of those opportunities to celebrate but making sure that it's coming from a place of genuineness where that person actually receives what you want to give them, you know, you want That's to make really them feel appreciated and seen. Um, and that could be at any time of the year. I think at Christmas it gets lost because it's all reciprocal. It's like, okay, yeah. I need to buy you a $30 present. You need to buy me a $30 present. We're probably going to be send equal. each other <laughs> links. Like, why would we not just buy our own stuff then? You know, like that doesn't make anybody feel especially seen, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Now that we've kind of had this, now we, that we've been able to process together, I think I just had a thought too about like, if I, if I really look inward and think about like, what, why do I feel like this is important to talk about? And like, why do I feel this heaviness surrounding this season? And also these ideas, these pressures is I think it, to me, it comes down to gift giving should be about giving what you can in order to fill someone else's needs. And I don't think, I think it's measured the wrong way, right? Like a true gift is like, I have this to give. I want you to have it. 
And then when that person has the ability to give in return, like that, it's more reciprocal, but also that I think the reality is like some people will always have more to give and some people will always need more. And I think that's maybe also where this toxic idea of giving things that are in quotes equal is where it feels like if you, for instance, I just think about someone who is like, uh, has more, you know, disposable income and can maybe buy gifts for more people or can buy things that people need, you know? And that's why I think a lot of programming around like donations and things like that during the holidays, like if you can donate winter coats and you can donate gifts to low income families that can't afford them, like that, if you can do more of that, that is a great thing to be able to do, but not necessarily thinking that like you'll ever get anything in return for that. And that's where I feel like the the ethos of like gift giving kind of gets lost in the holidays where it's not so much about I'm giving you this because I have the ability to give and because I want to, and this will give you joy. And it's more, you know, about like, like you said, like you give me something $30 worth and I'll give you something $30 worth. And it like becomes this like silly exchange that isn't actually at the core of what giving really is. Mm -hmm. And then also along those lines, I think it's important to note, like not giving more than you can give, right? Mm -hmm. That expectation, like not taking from someone more than they can, they can give and also not taking yourself more than you need. Right. And that's where excess happens. That's where these like consumerism weekends feel so gross because it's like, you can go to old Navy and buy $200 worth of cheap clothing, but do you actually need any of that? Or should you buy one pair of pants from a small business that might be $200, but that will last you how many years and won't end up in a landfill in a year and a half? You know, like what is really, how do we use our spending power better? And if we were only going to give one person a pair of jeans for $200, we could afford to do that instead of needing to give everybody 10 people. Exactly. Like we could put our spending power differently. We could, we could really decide who needs to get needs to receive and then we could give more thoughtfully yeah yeah no make any sense no it did it did I was just thinking to myself like yeah I I was like yeah that sounds great I'm never gonna have this conversation with my family though (laughs) I was like I'm never gonna like sit down and be like Like, none of you you need pants and you don't need anything so (laughs) you're not (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that would be maybe what some listeners are thinking too like yeah that sounds great I'm never right But well, how cool would it be if we could? <laughs> yes. And I said, I, I I kind of was like processing through some of these feelings last night. And I, I posted on Instagram and I said something along the lines of like, within my business, like how great would it be if we could get to a place one day where like you trade me, I think I said a gluten-free pie. <laughs> I'm really, I've been craving pie recently for like a skein of yarn. And like, what if it was like more of an exchange yeah. um, than a, a gift, which I still think those are gifts, but like, what if it was more of an exchange and less of an expectation? And I also think within families, like, I think that is actually something that could be achievable is thinking about like, you know, I know some people do like families do like, I think, what is it called? Like a white elephant or something? Yeah, a white elephant. Pick someone's yeah. name out of a hat. Oh, secret but Santa. Like, That's secret Santa. Oh, secret yeah. Santa. So like, what if you did like pair up with family members that have similar needs and you're able to do more of an exchange, you know, and less of like, you have to get 10 people a gift and it's more of a one-to-one interaction or I don't know, maybe that's also silly, but like just 
Secret Santa is so funny. I don't know if you're this way. I, whenever I do a secret Santa, it's always random, right? You pull a number from uh, like a hat or something. You should be able to pick who you get for secret Santa. Sometimes there's someone who I'm like, I really want to get them a gift and I think I could do a good job at it. And then you end up getting the person who you like know nothing about and you get them like a candle or something. And it's like, okay, like, I don't know. I think there's something about like, you know, this can be reciprocal. It doesn't have to be uneven, but it can still Mm -hmm. be something that brings each person in it joy. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know. I think something that you said earlier that I've been thinking about is that a lot of times gift giving like serves just to make the person who gives the gift feel good about themselves. Yeah. And I think, I think that's just, that's so true. Like, I think that's why you see so many people going into debt to like pay for a holiday gifts is like, they need mm-hmm. to feel like they've done enough for their family, yeah. um, for their loved ones. Um, but I think it comes into like, even this donating stuff, like people, when they want to give, at the holidays or anytime they want to give in a specific way and they want to give in the way that they want to give. And while it's important to come from somewhere genuine, so much of the stuff that gets donated at the holidays is like the people receiving it are like, we can't use this or we, yeah, this is not (laughs) what we actually need. And sometimes, sometimes, I don't know. I think being able to joyfully just give cash is actually so like, if you can do that, you should do that. (laughs) Because oftentimes, like, I think people want to give something really unique or really creative or like, yeah. And sometimes that's needed, but sometimes just like writing a check is just the best way to, to help people. And that in that you let go of some of the control and you let go of some of like what you want to do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think sometimes doing the thing that's less fun for you, if it helps someone else more is like really, really good. And, and, and seeing the impact of that can help you feel more like joy around giving. Um, cause well, yeah, and that's the same. Yeah. With acts of service. Yeah. Right. Like if you also <laughs> don't have money to give, like there are plenty of things, like, I think that, I think that that's not often regarded in the same way that like a monetary gift is, but yeah. like giving your time is equally, if not more valuable, than giving anything physical. And like you said, yeah, like some, I'm sure some families would just love a check. And that is also like totally understandable. Like if you are trying to put food on the table for your family, like, yeah, cash is, cash is king. Right. Mm. But I also think like acts of service, like what if you offered to cook a meal for that family? Or like, if you can't, instead of, like you said, giving them toys that maybe they don't actually need? Or what if there's more, what if gift giving could also be measured by what we do for each other with our time and just giving each other our time? And even if that's like, I, I want to spend an afternoon with you, you know, like can we spend this quality time together? I just feel like not enough of that is measured and in a way that is like meaningful. So then it becomes the only way to share or to give meaning or to show someone that you care is to spend money on them. And then we fall into that trap of like, okay, I really, I have to spend money in order, you know, to tell someone I love them. Mm -hmm. And the reality is there's like so many other ways that are probably way more meaningful and helpful um, that we can do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really important. And and like we've been saying, it all comes back to this conversation and, and knowing someone well enough and having enough trust to ask, like, is this actually what you want? (laughs) Like, is this, Mm -hmm. is this making you feel the way that I want it to, or do we need to like change how we, how we practice this? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, like with my mom, like my mom, she really enjoys gift giving. Like that is her joy. 
And so she wants to be able to give things. And that's like where she finds value during the holiday season. But I also like, she knows that I don't want to receive things that I don't find useful. Mm -hmm. So we have worked out this system where like, I literally tell her what I want. Like I send her a link to what she can buy because then I know like she is receiving joy by buying me that item, but it's also an item that I will use. Like, you know, merino wool socks that will keep my feet warm in the Philly, you know, winter or something that, and it's not just like tchotchkes or things that Mm -hmm. I don't actually need that like, feel gross to receive sometimes because you're like, oh, why did you spend your money on this? Yeah. Like, (laughs) like, I appreciate it, but like, why? Yeah. And so I feel like there are, there are ways, I think there, there are specific ways to like work through these systems that can be beneficial to everyone and can still bring everyone joy and fulfillment. But also like, just as a whole, I think, I think we need to start being more considerate about what it actually means to give and receive. Yeah. So in terms of like how you apply this to your business, are there any like practices um, for sustainability or just like how you process orders, things like that? How, How does that, how does this factor in? It's so hard. I mean, it's so hard this time of year, but I think all year round, it's really hard to, to just grapple with like, having a business that relies on money and and revenue and cash flow and then also like feeling all of these you know feeling all of these things personally and also wanting to run my business in a more holistic way that feels more genuine to what I believe in and my practices and how I'm trying to change and grow and so I think I think some things that like I'm working towards doing more of is I have honestly, I mean, I found that one of one of the key things that has served me is I've stopped trying to pretend that I'm anything more than I actually am as a business. Mm-hmm. Like I think especially when I started out, there was this pressure to seem like really formal and like you have everything together and you're bigger than you are so that people trust you and you know think you're successful. And I think I've just totally like thrown away that mask and have just been like, it is me. I'm starting to hire staff and have like really amazing part-time employees, but like the bulk of it is just me. So like, if you're emailing the business, you're emailing me. And if you're going to be mean to someone, you're being mean to me. And also if I'm setting a boundary, it's because it's a personal boundary. It's a personal business. And so that has like really helped shift the interactions that I'm having with customers because they don't think at this point, I think a lot of my customers know, like they're not emailing a void. They're not emailing some random customer service person. They are emailing me. And I think along those lines too, is like, I have chosen items in the shop that I feel good selling, that I feel like they are either being sustainably sourced or they're supporting other small businesses. Um, And I think one thing I'm working towards is like carrying more local yarns and supporting local farmers and growers. And I think that it feels to me like the silver lining of my business feels to me like people are buying yarn because they are making things and it brings them joy. And it's not just something that they're going to throw away. And so that to me does feel like, you know, it's not just going to a department store and buying, you know, a cheap pair of leggings. It's like something that they are going to like love and appreciate these materials. And they are going to make something that will 
stand the test of time. And so that there's less waste involved, like overall less waste. And that to me feels better as like, I'm, I'm shifting that idea of what it means to consume just by providing that. At least I hope so. Like that's kind of what gives me, you know, comfort in, in this time of like shipping what I'm shipping and, and, you know, spreading out into the world as much stuff as I'm spreading out. And I've also like stopped, like I recycle all my shipping boxes and Mm -hmm. I don't use extra padding. I don't use plastic. Like I've kind of taken away like any of the branding, like most of my packages don't look cute when they arrive to you, but they're also not filled with things that you're just going to throw out. So like that to me also feels better. So like, I think I'm trying to take these like small steps as a business owner to say like, we have these expectations of like when we buy something, what will happen, but like they're actually not good for the planet. And also they're, they're, they can be more holistic. Like we can shift our expectations of that. Like when you receive a package, it doesn't, it's really nice when it's beautifully wrapped and has a sticker on it. And like, you know, but you also throw that out, you know, like you don't keep that. So like, what is more important having that initial exciting experience of unwrapping something beautiful or you know, using less, consuming less. Yeah. I have a friend, I have a friend who will give me gifts um, and she'll wrap it. I always open them in front of her and she wraps it in like some kind of fabric every time. And Mm -hmm. then I just give it back to her and she uses it for the next thing. I think that's great. I think about my family always did this as a joke is that they would like write in the same card every year and send it back to the other person. Like whatever last year, but I think you should do that card. I feel so mad every time I have a card. It's like, I know. I don't know if I'm not going to write anything special in it. Why am I getting you a card? <laughs> well, unless they're like beautiful pe- like I save a lot of cards that are beautiful yeah. and like have them on my wall and stuff. But if it's just like, you know, a Hallmark card filled with glitter, not necessarily something that you're going to save. Yeah. But I think I also feel, I think the other part to this that I want to mention, cause I'm sure that other people, if they're considering, you know, implementing any of this in the way that they're giving or, Um, that they're like utilizing these different practices is like, I often do feel self-conscious as a business that like people are unwrapping my ratty ass boxes (laughs) that have been like through hell and they're finding the yarns and they're not wrapped in anything. And I wonder, like, I know some people understand why, because they've been with my business for so long that they know that's, but new customers, I always, I do feel this self-consciousness of like, do they think that I'm like, a garbage business. <laughs> like do they think <laughs> because like nothing is presented beautifully and everything looks recycled. Like, do they think I can't afford boxes or do they think like I'm not a real business because I'm not presenting it a certain way and not everything's branded. And I do sometimes worry that like people don't understand why I'm I'm doing that if they don't know anything about my business. Yeah. And I don't think, I think I'm saying that to say that it might take a while for people to understand like why you're shifting the way that you are consuming or giving or doing any of these things and that it might take a little bit of educating people why you're doing it. And it might be uncomfortable. Like some people might not get it and they might be like, I would rather have a beautiful branded box than this, (laughs) you know, used Amazon box that you found in the dumpster. And that's also okay. But I think like having having those conversations is like the only way that that will shift and people will start to understand why you're doing those things. Yeah. And it's a relationship thing too. Like you have a relationship with your customers and 
you know, chances are if they, yeah, like you've said, if they've been with you for a while, they're choosing you because of that. And in the same way that like a a messy box, (laughs) a reused box might like put off some customers. There's some customers who are choosing you because of that and might, you know, be more offended when they get a box with a million extra papers and advertising Mm -hmm. and and stickers and um, all that. I don't know. I think, I mean, so much of this comes down to like, the individual receiving and giving. And, and I don't know, I even think about like the things that we've mentioned that we don't want this episode. Like we don't want tchotchkes. We don't want candles. Like those <laughs> are silly gifts. There are artists who work really hard on candles and maybe that That's is true. Like, well, and I, your husband loves getting candles. <laughs> yeah, So there are people who genuinely love getting candles. I do love getting candles. I think it's something I never buy for myself. So when someone gives me one and I'm like, this is great. I yeah. have a candle now. And, and I mean, like I can even when shopping for my husband, like getting rather than, you know, for a while he would see them on sale for like five for $5 at Walmart and buy all of them. And I'm like, well, what if we got a candle from a small business instead this year? What yes. if we got a candle? And like one really nice candle <laughs> that also exactly. doesn't smell like a weird pine saw. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But there, yeah. I think even now thinking about what you said about like regifting things. Like if I get a gift from someone that I'm like, this is the most random thing I've ever gotten. Who would think that I would like this? I might actually be able to think of someone who would like it and would like really it. Yeah. love it. And and what if, yeah, what if our gift giving was more about like finding those things um, and, and just, yeah, finding things that make people feel really seen and appreciated in, in whatever way that comes. Yeah. Well, and what I was thinking about, even with like thrifting and stuff, I feel like I find really good, like beautiful vintage things at mm-hmm. thrift stores. You're good at that. Or even <laughs> what was that? You're good at it. Like we'll go, we'll be in the same thrift store. And I'm like, where did you see that? <laughs> I, I, I didn't find that. <laughs> and I feel like I also find like pretty like good brand names also, mm-hmm. but they're used, they're secondhand. And sometimes I feel like I don't know if if maybe this is something I have to get over and like, this is why we're talking, but I'm like, if I gave someone this, would they think that, you know, I wasn't being as thoughtful or would they think I'm like cheap? I think that's something often that we have like a self-consciousness about, like, do they think I'm cheap? When in reality, it's like that to me, like searching through a thrift store to find something for me is way like, at least for me personally, like way more meaningful, like you made all this effort of searching through all these things to find, you know, maybe a vintage item or something that, and then it's also like, you're saving this item from a landfill. You're like repurposing this, you're giving it a second life. And, and I think that is just as special, but I also think that not many other people think that way, or maybe they just haven't thought it through, right? Because we've been trained to think that if things are used, they're not as good or they're damaged or, you know, they're dirty or, or all of these things. When in reality, there's like a lot of really amazing stuff that, you know, can live second lives. No, Yeah. I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot in the business. Like how can I incorporate something in the business that repurposes like used yarns? Like, how can I have some sort of like recycling system or something where people can drop off stuff they don't want anymore and be able to choose new things or have more of this like, you know, kind of like natural cycle of like yarn reuse and repurpose. And so it's something that's been like percolating in the back of my head. But I think that the same idea that like if you wanted to buy someone yarn, but you can't afford it new, like how could you still access it? Because so many of us have 
massive yarn stashes yeah. that we're never even going to come close to using. So like, what is a way that we could like share that as a community um, and support people? And yeah, so that's something that I've been, how do I like marry that with also selling what I sell both sides of it? Yeah. Like I think there's space for both too. Like you said, there's going to be different ways of kind of being mindful about this. And sometimes it might mean buying things to save some of your time. <laughs> and um, sometimes it's going to mean recycling things. And sometimes it's going to mean buying from a small business. And it's just a mixture of everything. Um, and I think a lot of the help in this is also letting go of the idea that any of this has to be done perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. Like, cause you think about this happens every year and every year you're trying to get someone just the right gift. And, yeah. you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to do that all the time. And I think a lot of it is the expectations. So as, as we talk about with everything in this podcast, letting it be a learning experience um, and something that you grow in over time. I think, I think that's great. I also, I also love that we do this in community. And I think about like, what if someone listening to this podcast had a great idea for you about like how to do the yarn exchange, you know, and like, yeah, that that's something exactly. that can be so collaborative um, and people have different things to offer. And um I don't know. We're, we're growing together as a community. And I think that's really beautiful. So for this conversation, we've talked about a lot of ways to gift give well. And we also reached out to the community to see for you all what some of the best gifts you've ever received or given are. We wanted to share this special story from Ashley, who's a 32-year-old weaver based in North Virginia. Thanks, Ashley. Ashley says... My partner's father is an aerospace engineer with a technical and direct personality that learned bread making at the start of the pandemic, just as I had begun teaching myself how to weave. He is incredibly passionate about his craft as I am about weaving and loves sharing his bread with friends and family as I do with gifting my work. It made perfect sense to me to make him a bread bag for his birthday, even though he already had a drawer full of store-bought linen bags. He was completely blown away when I gave him the bag. Analyzing the calculations of my design, the hand stitching, the two-by-two windowpane plaid, the basket weave structure, the drawstring my partner hand knotted, it's like he was seeing a piece of cloth for the first time. My partner's mother says that he loves this bag so much that he uses it almost daily, shows it to all of his bread-making friends, and it's in the background of all of his center-cut bread photos. I never anticipated this sort of impact, but it's apparently the first time anyone has made anything for him by hand. Seeing his deep appreciation and enthusiasm and contributing a new element to his craft has felt really special. I love that story. I know it's so (laughs) cute. (laughs) How about you, Rachel? What's a gift for you that's been particularly meaningful and why? So I definitely think that this has shifted for me over the years about, you know, how I receive and and like to receive, which I think is natural as we grow. And I would say like I can think of one gift that definitely throughout the test of time has like been really impactful. Um, and then I can also think of like something now that means a lot to me. So the I think the gift that trumps all gifts is my boyfriend in college, Matt he actually bought me my first floor loom. And this was right after I learned to weave in college. And I wanted my own loom really badly. But as as y'all weavers know, like looms are really expensive. And so in college, I, I couldn't afford to buy my own. And he actually bought it in New Jersey where he was living at the time. And I was in school in Chicago and he drove it 
from New Jersey to Chicago for my birthday and surprised me with the loom. And it was, it's definitely, it's been, it's been my loom. Like I, it's my first loom, my OG girl, like she will be with me forever. Her name is Odette. Um, and it's just so meaningful to me because I, you know, she was my first loom and and she's been with me throughout all of these years. And so I think that's, that was like something that was really special and, and lasting. But I think now, like what I, when I think about like the gifts that are so meaningful to me now, it is more acts of service. Like that's definitely become way more important to me now. And so I can think of like the first thing I think of off the top of my head is that I live with three women in Philadelphia and we have such like a beautiful ecosystem in our house and we live really well together, which is a huge blessing. And I think one of the most special things to me is that um, my one housemate, Jisun, like she cooks a lot. She cooks often and food is her love language. And so she really enjoys cooking and she really enjoys like feeding us in the house. And I think, you know, after a long day in the studio, I come home and, and, you know, if she's made something and she offers it to me, it always feels like such a gift, like truly a gift also because she's a phenomenal cook and she makes amazing Korean food. Um, so it's, it's never hard to eat what she's made, but that feels like to me, like, especially with how busy I am and with how, you know, much I have going on to like come home and have her offer what she's made feels like so beautiful and genuine. And then we also have this really wonderful ecosystem where, you know, we share a lot in the house. And so also like, I feel like, you know, she might use some of my groceries to like make what she made, but then she's like feeding me with it. And I think there's just this really nice system that like, we're taking what we need to take, but we're also giving to each other constantly. And that's where I see like a model for gift giving and like what I want to achieve with like everyone in my life. Because also with Jisun, often I'll see something like she's just gotten into quilting. And so like, if I see something quilting related that I know she'll love, I just, I love like buying that for her. And I'm like, she, it doesn't have to be for any occasion. And I can just like leave it, you know, in her room and say, thinking of you, thank you for all that you do. And it's like, she's feeding me often. And then I'm giving her these gifts when I see something that, you know, I think I, it's just like a beautiful relationship. Yeah. And that's like what I want to emulate with like everyone else in my life to have that kind of like just natural give and take and that we're both, you know, fulfilling each other's needs in different ways, but it just feels like so organic. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that models a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of the community that you want to cultivate and, and gift giving, not always being this big spectacular thing, but the little things that let you know about that you like care about the other person and that make you feel loved and seen. So what about you, Rachel? What is, what is a gift that you really loved or that you witnessed? Yeah. One that comes to mind is um, when Jonathan and I were engaged and we made our wedding registry. Um, You know, a lot of what we've been talking about was coming up then too, that like people want to get you what they want to get you. You make this list um, and people will complain that the right things aren't on the list or everything's too expensive or everything's too cheap. Um, Nobody ever bought us our trash can because nobody wants to be like associated with buying you a trash can. I didn't Um, know that I would have bought you a trash can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny. It's funny how, you know, again, it's reflected that like, it's not always about the person receiving the gift Mm -hmm. as much as it is about um, the people giving it. And something that my husband mentioned um, was just that, you know, it's, it's exciting to get all this stuff. It's a blessing to have stuff to get you ready for marriage. But um, Jonathan said 
was mentioning to some of our friends that like, if I could ask for anything, if people are willing to spend money on me, what I would really love is this board game. He's so into board games. Um, he's into like the really long ones that take all day. And this board game costs $200. And he was like, honestly, if I could ask for anything, I'd ask for that. But that would be such a silly thing to ask for. Like, why would I need that to be married? <laughs> How is that related to this at all? Um, and the friends that we were talking with, we weren't even that close at the time, um, but they went and got the board game and they wrapped it and they left it on our door <laughs> um, like the next the next week. And that was so sweet. sweet. That was really like the beginning of us becoming better friends. And I just remember that and feel really grateful. Like, I don't know. I think part of gift giving is that other people might want to see you um, enjoy something in a way that you wouldn't be willing to splurge on yourself. And I think that's mm-hmm. some of the magic of gift giving too is like, yeah, you don't need this, but you should have it anyway, because I want to see you experience it, you know? Yeah. And also that they like, didn't feel the need to wait until your wedding day to give it to you. Right. That there's like this, that like Jonathan can enjoy it before that. I don't know. There's just like so much, um, there's so many rules to, to gift giving often that I think that it becomes more meaningful if we kind of toss them out and just do it based on our gut instinct. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I think, yeah, I think it's just so much more special that way. If I could convey anything to like my customers and my students, I think I would want to hear more from them about these subject matters. And like, this is a topic that I genuinely would love to talk further with, you know, if any, any of my customers or students have like thoughts about it. Um, Cause I feel like I'm trying to like shape, I'm trying to reshape this my business to reflect these things that that I believe in, but I also don't really feel like I often have the tools to do that because that's not how we're told to run a business, right? (laughs) Like it's, we're not told to put people over profit. Like, Mm -hmm. and sometimes if you do, you'll go out of business. So I think that to me, it feels like, how do I actually implement these things and do it in a way that is meaningful? And I think that my customers and my students probably have have like thoughts and insights that might be helpful. I'm so open to having these types of conversations. And I hope that as a community, we can have more of these types of conversations. Yeah. So definitely, if you have thoughts, send them to the email address. But also, we're going to continue this conversation. It feels like no matter what we set out to talk about, we come back to some of these core themes. And I'm excited to explore them more in the new year. Me too. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. In the spirit of learning from our community, we also wanted to share this voice memo from Jennifer Mao to close on, as she's incorporated in her business a practice that we think is pretty special and moving. For the entire year of 2021, I wanted to challenge myself to create one hand-woven and hand-embroidered weaving per week to release on my social media account on a pay-what-you-wish basis. I decided on this payment structure because I'm interested in questions about accessibility, value, and worth, and how these ideas exist in tension against one another when we live in a consumerist society. I wanted these weavings to function as a point of entry into that conversation, and was less interested in creating commodities that could be bought and sold in a traditional transactional way. I want to interrupt the impulse, which I think can be exacerbated by social media, to buy something simply because it's quote unquote cheap, or in the case of my weavings, could conceivably be bought for as little as possible. 
And if a weaving does speak to someone, I wanted to prompt them to think about what would be an appropriate price to offer that balances a respect for the time, labor, materials, and hidden costs that go into making anything, while also ensuring that any piece could be monetarily accessible for all, whatever that might mean for someone. It's been an incredible gift over the past 11 months and counting to send these weavings out into the world every week and to be met with such genuine and heartfelt responses from folks describing why a particular piece spoke to them. To date, every single weekly weave has been claimed, and it brings me immense joy to think about these objects in their forever homes around the world, rather than gathering dust in my apartment. I've been blown away by the generosity that folks have shown me through this project, not just from a monetary standpoint, but also from a willingness to be vulnerable and engage fully with this admittedly utopian project. I'm hopeful that the project can play a tiny part in the larger conversation around how to recenter ourselves more firmly around ideas of reciprocity, relationship, and mutual care, particularly during this present moment. Grace Lee Boggs said, the only way to survive is by taking care of one another. And I feel like that is true now more than ever. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks also to you, our listeners, for being a part of making the podcast so special in its first year. It's been really cool to be a part of, and we're looking forward to new episodes in the new year. Thanks also to Philadelphia-based musician Michael Myers for the use of his song Weave off the album There Is Only Light. We are currently publishing episodes of Material Culture Monthly, So we will be back to continue the new season in January. If you love the podcast, we would so appreciate you leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you have comments or questions for us, please email us at our address linked in the show notes. We're also looking into different ways to fund the podcast. So if you'd like to sponsor an episode, please shoot us an email. We'd be happy to talk details about promoting your weaving practice or other business. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, Let's keep learning about what it means to create with each other in mind. Mm -hmm.